Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Everything is Brand. Last week, a couple of big brands were releasing gaming platforms. So it was a bit of a war between Sony and Microsoft for their new game consoles. And it got us to thinking about what happens when brands collide. So whether it's McDonald's and Burger King, Coke and Pepsi, Apple and Samsung, well, quite honestly, Apple and pretty much everybody else. (laughs) But is there an advantage to these brands colliding or is there a disadvantage? Does it go against what we know about branding for these brands to compete, or does it actually fuel the whole industry? So what do you think, Christian? Does this battle of the brands help brands, or does it hurt them? That's a good question, actually. I consider myself a gamer. Of course, I don't have all the time to get, uh, play video games as I used to have, but uh, I usually follow these brands. And I actually find it fascinating. I've been following them for the last couple of weeks because of, of, of course, that console launch that was happening. And it's crazy how people react. We usually talk about, for example, brand loyalty. There's so much of that when there's such a big launch every five to seven years that there's a new iteration of those consoles. The brand loyalty is skyrocketing. So that's one interesting point. We're in the midst of a pandemic. People are looking for ways to spend their time. And it was crazy that last week, for example, both consoles were trending topics even above and beyond the Trump versus Biden elections. Christian, it's interesting you say brand loyalty because I was thinking about this and, you know, what is the strategy behind why these companies are coming out at the same time? Like, is the benefit is there, you know, I think that honestly, like my reaction to that around this brand loyalty thing is I think that if, and I don't know which one came first, to be honest with you, but let's say if Sony came out first with their with their machine, kids and parents and everyone, I guess, so alike, are so desperate for the new technology that I don't think there's any brand loyalty. I think the issue here is that whoever comes out first, if the other one doesn't follow immediately, everybody's going to jump onto that train and buy that machine. And I think that that's the real situation here is why they ended up colliding was because they realize, and again, this is just my interpretation, but mm-hmm. they realize that if, if they don't both come out at the same time or that one doesn't follow the other, they're going, they actually could lose a huge amount of their audience because everybody, you know, my kid plays video games, for instance, and if all of his friends can get the latest machine and it's like, well, but I have an Xbox over here, but I want to play with my friends and they're playing on the new platform. I'm going to, my kid's going to pressure me for that. He's not tied to Xbox. He's like, he just wants to play with his friends and he wants to be playing the latest and greatest. So, I mean, I think that maybe that's why they, they did that from, from this perspective. So I, I don't think there is brand loyalty. And I think that that's more what they're addressing in the situation than anything else. I don't so, know what you guys think. So a couple of things. N- number one, let's not kid ourselves that they both launched these new platforms or hard drives, essentially, because all that that's all it is, is a gaming platform hard drive. They launched it right before the holiday season. Right. So we're getting we're getting into the holiday season. They know they need to get in before in terms of shipments and whatnot in order for it to arrive for the holidays, Christmas, etc. But the other thing is that the difference between these two platforms largely is the games. Correct. 
Yeah. You know? No, and not so much. I, I, I there don't are know some if I agree games. with that. Yeah. There are yeah. a few games, but I was actually talking to my yeah. son this weekend, and the games that all of his friends are, are drawn to are the cross-platform games because they're the ones that they can play. They're not se- they're not segregating their friendships because, like my kids, there are some kids that are on Playstations. There are some kids that are on Xboxes. And if they were only to play the games that were available on their machines, they wouldn't be hanging out, which frankly, you know, most of the way that our kids hang out, especially during this, this COVID time is through their, their online gaming platforms. So they're in their rooms on their headsets, playing games and sharing conversations. Uh, and they're doing that through games that they can play on both. They don't really go off and play a lot of the games on their own. I think the older generation goes off and kind of does that. You know, they'll play a game for a game, but I think a lot of the younger generation, the kids are playing because they can play with their friends. So they're playing games that they can play on both sides. So anyway, so I just want to put that in there. Yeah. So then it becomes what? So if, you, if you're thinking that, you know, the platforms are all going to go cross-platform and the games are no longer proprietary to the actual platform, if that's the wave of the future, and we've seen that with that bloody game <laughs> that all the kids are playing, Fortnite, that's the one of the major ones that is cl- uh, cross-platform. If that's the wave of it, then what is the differentiation between the platforms? Yeah, I mean the differentiation the is, is is the games that they offer that are right now for them. Yeah. That's that's the differentiation, and that still exists. I think, like, I still think that the old the older people or whatever are drawn to certain games, and my kids will get there. But I mean, I think that you know, I think you brought up a great point. I think you know the holiday season, absolutely. I think, and again, that goes back to my lack of brand loyalty in this situation of like the kids are going to want something under the tree, and if only one machine was to come out that's probably the machine that would be under the tree. But if they both come out, then at least parents are going to be picking up the one that they probably had before because it's easier for them to do that. They know what to buy based on that. Yeah, that brings up a really good point, Jeremy, that I think you're alluding to, which is this idea that when the whole industry is lifted, every brand succeeds within that. So if one of the brands were to release their gaming platform in a sea of where they were the only one, yes, they might get some loyalty, but that rivalry, and if we look to history, we see these rivalries throughout brand history where those rivalries have actually created buzz, they've created conversation, they've created want or desire for uh, those elements. Like if you look at the whole Mac PC battle that still goes on to this day, you know, they're constantly trying to outdo each other who's better, who's worse. You know, you have the Mac personality, you have the PC personality, you have the Mac tribe, you have the PC tribe. It almost creates this idea of warring factions or or, or this idea of who's better and, and who do I belong to? And, and it, it just elevates the whole conversation. Do you think that brands know this? Do you think that they use that to their advantage? I think they know it. Are they somewhat forced into it? Would they love, would they like to have a, a monopoly where there's no competition? Absolutely. Every brand would love to have that. But do I think that inadvertently it forces a brand to innovate, to do better, to constantly keep hungry and not, you know, wrestle in the laurels? Absolutely. Look no further than the airline industry, for example, you know, Air Canada, WestJet, Air Transat. I mean, those two are gobbling each other up in terms of Air Canada and Air Transat right now. But WestJet came out as a smaller player, employee-owned company, completely different experience, which actually I think consumers benefited from it in terms of having more choice to fly around the world and around Canada. But we got a completely different experience with WestJet. We had a company that 
purposely went out there and did something different in the airline space, right? Uh, personally, I'm one to think that we need more of that. We need more challengers in order to drive down cost is one of them. But in order for companies to continue to innovate and to be different and to constantly keep the consumer in mind and bring value. But it's also, you know, when it comes to some brands actually becoming very large and, and occupying a huge percentage of the market, it creates a bit of a vacuum as well, right? You know, whether you're talking about airlines and all of a sudden you have huge airlines that charge a certain amount of money, they, they do their business a certain way, and then you have like a newcomer basically that actually wants to change that, that experience, has a different story, different approach. Uh, and it actually creates new opportunities. So having those brand stories that are established and then uh, that go a certain way, and, and that creates opportunities in some other ways, right? So, and in some cases, some of those small players actually become very large very quickly. And you would have, again, that, you know, that kind of large uh, brand competition happening. And, you know, it's interesting to actually see even historically, you have some large brands like Coca-Cola and Pepsi, that are constantly fighting for for the for market, but it also gives them opportunities to actually refine their stories and have different approaches to who they're speaking to and how they're telling their story. So it's uh, so I think that overall it's great for for brand. Going back to your example, Gabby, of this idea of being challenged, you often hear athletes who say when they are so head and shoulders above everybody else, that they don't feel that challenge. They almost perform better when there's another athlete that is within their range. And you see it like, especially in sprinters or runners where they push each other to do better and, and increase their times. And so it's almost like that the collision allows for greater achievement and allows for even broader conversation around either, you know, the brand or the sport or whatever it might be. And, you know, using your example of WestJet, in the early days, WestJet had a certain personality, but over time, as they became large, they pretty much flowed into being quite the same as Air Canada. I mean, you know, now when you're when you're on either of those planes, it kind of feels like a very similar experience. But you're right, in the in the early days, it was quite different. So it, I wonder, is it less about the difference? Because when you're kind of a startup and, or, a, or a challenger, you can kind of come and you don't have to follow the same kind of rules that the, that the main entity needs to follow. But does there come a point where the Apples and the Samsungs or the Coke and the Pepsis and the Microsofts and the Sonys, they almost have to create this story because there's not as much of a challenge anymore. So they create this this idea that there's still the challenge there to benefit the entire industry that they might be part of. I think to, to some extent that's true. In a, you know, they, they need, I mean, they, they have to be able to continue to market, to, to continue to promote themselves. So, so they need a bit of a challenge in order to, to kind of push themselves. But, you know, going back to the whole WestJet example, I think that's a really good example in how a larger brand actually then looks at a smaller brand and basically they say, wait a second, they may have something there because clearly they're actually taking a percentage of our market share. So that actually forces other brands then to actually adjust their story and their approach to market, right? So it's, uh, so it's kind of a strange thing where smaller brands that are new to the market, 
can be more aggressive, can, can really push the envelope, and that's great for them. Uh, but then large brands actually look at that and learn from that as well. Look no further than the onset of the pandemic with Zoom. Zoom online virtual meeting platform. I think their claim to fame was really the ability to have everybody on the same screen. Give Google one month and they had the same features on there. And there went Zoom. I mean, I don't think Zoom is suffering, um, but definitely Google caught up to them in that one feature that differentiated one platform from another platform and poof, gone. That solidifies what we were already talking about in this idea of video chats or video meetings, you know, whether it's Google, Zoom, or now Microsoft Teams is in right in the mix as well. It's almost as if having multiple brands involved elevates the conversation even more. Would people still be doing video chatting? Of course they would. But it's a little bit like if you've ever been to like a koi pond and you throw a piece of bread into the middle of the pond and all the fish kind of gather, it's a little bit like that. When you create a story or you create an event, more people gather to that event and the attention goes towards that event. Very similar to what happened with the new platforms launching. I think, Joni, you bring up a really good point. Yes, absolutely 100%. You know, they have to release at the same time because first in is still a thing. And if if you're first in and you're the only platform in town and your challenger isn't coming out very quickly, you're going to take market share for sure. So there's multiple things happening here, I think. There's, there's multiple platforms being released so that they create the story, elevating the entire industry because multiple big players are all participating in it. There is bringing the consumers to the table, not only because they want a gaming platform, but because, I mean, let's face it, the diehard gamers would be there anyway. They, they know when things are going to be released. They know exactly what's happening. But there's this whole periphery of folks who may be elevating their game system. They may not. They may be getting that for their kids. And by kids, I mean anyone under 80 because they all play video games. <laughs> but the idea is, is that when you create these conversations, it brings more people to the table. It brings more eyes to the story. It brings more attention to what it is that you're trying to do. Coke and Pepsi and McDonald's and Burger King have been doing it for years and, and, and they're not stupid. They know exactly that the entire challenge that they bring to each other creates a more integrated story. And that integrated story is better for both brands. I, I remember a great quote where someone said, you know, Pepsi is always challenging Coca-Cola for number one. But the reality is, is that being number two in the Cola Wars is almost just as profitable. <laughs> so it, it, so there's no harm in being number two. You just don't want to be number 10 or number 20 or number 30. So, you know, being in those top echelons is what really brings the attention. It brings the brand loyalty. It elevates the story and it allows these brands to really understand that when brands collide, everybody wins. So that's this week's version of Everything is Brand. Join us next week. We'll have a new topic and a whole new conversation. See you then.